Jeff Prescott. And I'm Mike McGinnis. And this is No Quarter, a semi-regular podcast about arcade video games. Yeah, that works. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I, no, that's great. I, I like our, our healthy, non-committal, like, yeah, semi-regular. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I worry about being too non-committal, you know, sure, because sure. that leads to like, oh, it's been six weeks and... I don't want that to happen, but uh, on the other hand, sticking, I think being too rigid made us brittle before and ended up, you know. Right, right. We don't want to generate apathy, but yeah. we, we don't want to. Yeah. Well, there certainly was an apathy on, on the Facebook page. Everybody seemed to to enjoy the fact that we were back. Of course, if they don't like us, they wouldn't be our, wouldn't be following us on Facebook and wouldn't have noticed anyway. But we do appreciate uh, the welcome back love, and we love all of you. Absolutely. And good to hear from the friends in Denmark. <laughs> was, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea the reach was that wide. Well, it's it's probably 99.9% .9 of us here in the States and then a couple of Canadians here and there and one or two people elsewhere. But we do appreciate and we like to fantasize that, that we're international. <laughs> the brand is global. Right. <laughs> if only in our minds. Sure. So how was your uh, how's your week? Um, pretty uneventful, and and that's good. We're um, again our equilibrium back, and the family's doing fine. Okay, now you're you're down in Arizona, is that right? Um, I'm in Virginia. Oh yeah, no, um, right next right next to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nearby. Sure. Um, my wife and her family are all from Arizona. We were out ah, there in cool. August when uh, we had her mom suddenly passed away, and. Hmm. Spent a couple weeks out there, and all my extended family are, are out there. And I imagine mom and dad will retire out there at some point. But no, we're I'm an East Coast kid. All right. Well, um, enough personal talk, I think. Let's get to the gaming stuff. Now, last week we talked, of course, about uh, Metal Slug X, and I think um, that, you know, we, we talked about how popular that franchise is in general in uh, Metal Slug X. Gets a lot of love as well as it should. It's a great game. So I don't think there was a whole lot of dissension. We got one or two emails that said, well, X wasn't my favorite, but it, I liked it. So uh, I don't know that we need to be reading a whole lot of email this week, but uh, maybe we'll get some after we talk about this week's game. <laughs> there will be plenty of cannon fodder for <laughs> if anyone out there in the nation of Irem wants to come to the defense of this week's <laughs> game, please stand up and be heard. Either that or we're just going to get a lot of confused looks and crickets because this is... So So this week we played uh, Horizon by Irem. Uh, you'll remember we talked about the Irem Nazca or Nazca um, SNK connection last week. And uh, we're sticking with an Irem game uh, this week. It's uh, Horizon. It was released in 1985, apparently. Although I couldn't find a darn thing about this on the on the web. Could you? No. <laughs> it's evident that, that SNK must have plucked all of the talent pool from Irem and left them with this. Yeah, it's it's odd because, you know, Irem continued to live for quite some time after that. And um, I guess we can go ahead and talk about the hardware now. Uh, this is an... Irem was an early... Uh, they, they jumped early on the bandwagon for... Uh, games on a platform. So you could swap out ROMs or you could swap out cartridges, whatever you wanted to do. And you could save money that way and you could just ship out like a ROM pack and artwork um, or, you know, a, a board set or something like that. Uh, and this is based on the M IRIM M62 platform. Um, and there were a number of 
M platforms that Iron put out over the years, starting with like the M10 and M15 in 1980, all the way up until the M107 in 1994, which I think was when they got out of the video game, video arcade game business. Um, and this is this was the M62, which ran from like 85 to 87, 84 to 87 or so. And there were there were a handful of games. It looks like maybe a dozen or so games on it. Some of them you've never heard of, or at least I've never heard of, like the Battle Road uh spelunker 2 and then those awful load runner games but there were also a couple of really popular games on this platform the kung fu master was an m60 game m62 game and kid nikki radical ninja was also on this platform so the stuff that we're going to talk about today you can't blame on the platform no no there's nothing wrong with the hardware uh that's for sure i thought when i was when i was looking at the game we wanted to play this week and I was seeing the screenshots. It, it actually, it, it's a it's a forced 3D perspective. I think is what they call it, where you're like, if you just look at the still screenshots, it it reminded at least it reminded me anyway of of but like Buck Rogers, where your ship is at the bottom of the screen. It kind of it'll move back and forth and maybe up a little bit and down, and things sort of fly out of the middle of the screen or down at you as you quote move forward into the into the screen into the game. But that's not what this was at all. No, there's there's an there's a little gimmick to it. I think that is what the title of the game is hinting at, uh, where there's a three plane field, a foreground, a middle ground, and a background that you slide between these three planes and attack things from above and to the side. Right, but instead of like a Buck Rogers where you're flying, quote, forward into a point on the horizon, you're actually side-scrolling. Right. Um, and this game, apparently, I don't know if it's a, if it was intended as a sequel or if it was just an, supposed to be an enhancement, but this is basically a, an, a moon patrol with a bunch of unnecessary stuff thrown in. And without all the great jumping. Yeah, there's no jumping in this. I don't, I don't under, well, I guess the like shifting between the left and right between those, those planes counts as jumping. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I guess that's the twist and the gimmick of the game. And it's, it's okay. But overall, the presentation is a little lacking because the terrain never changes. I mean, Moon Patrol had, you know, inclines and hills and craters and there's none of that here i mean you do dot duck and weave and dodge around boulders and and things if you're fortunate enough to live that long <laughs> but it pales in comparison to its distant cousin it does have a lot of structurally identical parts that it, that they took from the original moon patrol where you're in a spaceship and you're kind of moving over a foreign planet surface and and as you're moving left to right these ship, these waves of ships are flying in a, a, above. Although I think uh, in this game they remind, reminded me a lot more of uh, the way the the Galaga waves would come diving down at you than than were the, the the original Moon Patrol, where you get like three you know, UFOs that would hover around and then disappear. These kind of would do loop to loops and swing back and forth, and um, and you would have um, if you remember if you recall the in the original Moon Patrol sometimes a ship. Uh, or or a, a an enemy would would appear and, and on the ground at your level and make his way towards you and you'd have to hop over him and then he'd be behind you and and sort of try to ram you and attack you that way and and that shows up here in this as well um, but 
I think that's kind of where it all ends. I mean, there's checkpoints, you know, you have A, B, you know, one, two, three, four, um, all the way up to, I think, six checkpoints per zone or level, and there's four levels, and that's it. The game doesn't end, it just repeats, and it's boring. There's no change in, in anything other than it just gets harder and faster. Yeah, there's not a lot of elegance to it. Um, it really does just rely on that three planes mechanic. It's a fairly generic side-scrolling shooter with all the charm kind of missing from Moon Patrol. A really, really annoying sound. Yeah, the the enemies, the, the little gray, like, airborne enemies in formation, they also reminded me of the Galaga challenging stage, but it's like you're playing Galaga and you only get one color of alien that always repeats the same loop-de-loop. And they then they stack up in like a vertical column and they all come down and they're really pretty easy to destroy. And you can negate their fire with a shot of your own and they'll cancel out. So you can kind of hover under them and just collect those points and it's really not that interesting. Yeah, I mean, they, they try to spice it up a little bit. You get like a thousand point bonus if you wipe all of the ships out uh, before they one of them disappears off the screen. You can shoot the falling bombs like you could before in Moon Patrol, but I, if, and it's been a while. I should have played Moon Patrol a little bit just to refresh my memory, but, you know, you can shoot the bombs. <laughs> <As MC. laughs> cleanse the palate house. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think when you shot the bombs that were falling in Moon Patrol, it actually made like a little sound, like a little, you know, explosion as it should. And, and this, they just disappeared. Um, and here they try to spice things up by there'd be like fuel bonuses lying around. And if you're on the wrong plane, you, you miss the bonus. And, and apparently I didn't, I didn't get that deep into this game, but apparently if you don't pick up at least some of those, you don't, you actually can't make it to the next zone at some point. I, but overall the, oh, and so when you, you know, you can, by moving, it's it's a four-way joystick and it has two buttons, although I don't know what the second button does because you have, all you do is shoot. Um, and you can, by moving the joystick to the right, the ship moves forward because this is a left and right, uh, a left to right scroller. And then to the right brings it back towards the edge of the screen. And then when you press up, the ship from the ship's perspective moves to the left, which is further into the screen. And you move to a different plane. And when you're going forward and backwards, as far as the ship's concerned, so left, right on the stick, it doesn't really make any sound. It just speeds up or slows down. But when you move left and right, it makes this awful like hydraulic screech every time you do that. And and it, it just drove me insane. And I found that all I wanted to do, I, I ended up having to load up one of those arcade ambience background sounds and just cranking it so I didn't have to hear this. Yeah, you definitely need a little waterfall or something in the background. <laughs> um, it, it's weird, too. Like, the terrain is so bland and repetitive. It's just this constantly scrolling ribbon of this murky, brown, rocky, desolate-looking landscape. And the sky is kind of a stark black, empty color, no stars, no visual appeal. And scooting between the planes, I did play it enough to appreciate that the 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 depth perception is an important thing to recognize to be able to play the game for any length of time. The enemies in the sky will chase you between the four middle and backgrounds and their size will actually diminish and, and enlarge. It'll scale slightly. And once you recognize their size in relation to your ship and you know that those bombs are falling, they're actually going to hit you and not behind you or in front of you you can start to exploit the game for a few more points. 
Um, you mentioned the fuel meter, which is that, that time function that's so important in a game like Moon Patrol where you're fighting for a bonus. And in, it's executed to perfection in games like Scramble where it actually depletes pretty rapidly and you feel a pressure and a compulsion to move yeah. forward and to hurry up. This thing moves at a glacial pace. <laughs> However, if you do end one of the the zones, I think they're operations, it looked like, unless that's yeah. just bad English. Um, <laughs> you do, however, get a massive points bonus if you have a fair amount of fuel. Um, it does reward you. But it, it's not the, the pressing, anxious, sweaty palms kind of feeling that, that is way more fun in a game where, like Moon Patrol or Scramble, you know, you're going to run out and crash and die. Right. And there's not really... There's not really a, there's not a plot, you know. Or <laughs> if there is, it's so or, subtle. <laughs> I couldn't well, figure it out. And a lot of, and I don't blame them necessarily for that. There are a lot of the games that we've played, especially earlier ones where, you know, the machines didn't have a lot of memory. And so you couldn't just fill it up with text with like, deep background stories on what you were supposed to do. But there's nothing at all in this. Like, you know, you're not trying to get a bad guy. You're not trying to run the aliens off the moon. You're not trying to invade their place or maybe you are i don't know but it's made worse like at least with some of these other games today you can go on the, on the internet and find the information to read about the background and go oh okay now this makes sense why this is happening there's nothing on this game nothing at all and so there's there's just it's it's completely uninteresting there's probably some fan fiction in a very dark corner of the internet <laughs> but i couldn't this find is- it <laughs> yeah, this isn't this isn't technically um, a bad game. Meaning, it doesn't suffer from technical glitches. It doesn't slow down. Although I did notice sometimes it would, the collision detection wouldn't see that I had hit a bomb uh, that was falling on me. Um, but for the most part, it was a smooth game. It seemed to play well. And that that the little red ship that's like a mirror review, the one that kind of slides in and tries to get behind you and blow you up, uh, that was a pretty deadly. Um, enemy and when that was on the screen yeah there was some tension and some nervousness there but after a while you kind of learn its patterns and it generally tries to mirror you and every now and then it'll slip up and that's when you can you can move around it and shoot it uh but beyond that uh you know this is i thought the coolest enemies actually were the little blue pill bugs that looked like some sort of version of an hr geiger alien oh, yeah. or something they 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 are curled up tightly in these spheres and fall down and land in front of you or behind you and kind of make your life difficult. Um, uh, in terms of visual appeal, they're really neat, but they stand out like they almost don't belong in the game because they're actually colorful. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Everything else is so drab. The color palette is just, I don't know. It's all tan and brown. Now, when you get further into the game, there are mounted turrets that fire back at you, so it's not totally devoid of challenges or obstacles. Uh, the models are highly detailed. Irem is known for how beautiful and detailed its games are, and you can see that in the way the ship sprites uh, and the turrets, which are mostly just gray and blue, but still seem well-designed, visually speaking, and, and nicely realized. But as a whole, it all just sort of fades into that hot pinkish ocean of deserted planet background if you know what i mean it's kind of that standard thing that you see everywhere in games like this um and weirdly while everything is easily identifiable like visually speaking that's got like a design language uh the fuel bonuses are literally literally just this word 
fuel floating there in, in, in blue font. Uh, nothing else says ship or enemy or turret. Um, just fuel for some reason. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm trying to... When we talk about a game that just feels inherently not good like this, I, I tend to get really negative, you know, and, and I've been working or... My, my goal is to at least have something positive to say. So, um, yeah, I, you know, most of the, unfortunately, there's just, there's not a lot here. It's not awful, but, you know, it's not, it's kind of bland, mediocre. Um, much of the game's challenge is, is derived from jumping between these tracks, these, these, uh, planes, uh, lanes, whatever you call them, to avoid the oncoming trouble or you shoot your way through it. And, and while, all while dodging, uh, the overhead attacks from flying vehicles. It feels very, it feels very strange. Like they were going to make a, a sequel to Moon Patrol and either gave up or decided it was good enough. And um, there's no Moon Patrol branding. There's nothing to tie it to the original game. Um, the sound is not good at all. I, I don't understand what they did here. I, I because there's no information about this game uh, on the web, really. I, I. Uh, I satisfied myself by reading about IREM instead, um, you know, and, and IREM is one of those, uh, Carrington and I, I think talked about this a lot where IREM is a company where, and I don't know if it's because of the different business laws in Japan, but if you read in there, you can get really quickly lost as to what piece of IREM ended up where and what's original IREM. Cause uh, as with several other of these arcade and apparently a lot of companies in Japan, they, they get, split up and parted out and sold off and rebought and, you know, reestablished with different people and brought back, you know, and then they, those, all, those people all get fired and the originals get brought back and they get fired and sold off. Um, and IRM is one of those that, uh, you know, it, it started in, uh, 78, uh, as, a IPM and then changed to IRM in 79, which stands, uh, I, I learned this today, uh, today, actually a little bit earlier as I was researching it, it stands for, uh, international rental arcade machines or something like that. I, I saw um, innovations in recreational electronic media. Huh. Okay. Um, that may have been, well, see, okay. IRM, um, when, um, let me see if I can find, hang on a second here. I'm sure both acronyms are valid. They probably rebranded this thing four or five times. Well, the company, yeah, it was, it was, um, like the, the, uh, the part of IREM that made arcade cabinets was spun off into a company called APES, A-P-I-E-S. Mm -hmm. And so then you just, IREM became a, like a, a home video game company. And then that was renamed to something else. And a new IREM was started in 1997 and that bought the original, whatever IREM became. And then something else got sold off to back to APES, which was part of the original. See, this is where it starts getting confusing. And this is a, um, this is, a part of this is is right happened right around when you know that, that core team uh went off to to nazca and got absorbed into bought by and then absorbed by snk so you know i don't the irem that you certainly the irem you see today that's still it's still in business and still making games has nothing to do really with with the one that we're talking about but as far as who ended up where in other games and who was actually making irem games at, at one point i that I, it gets a little confusing for me me too uh it's lost to the sands of time i guess <laughs> um in perspective historically did you find that the game in an in its own essence i guess it's not terribly lacking it's not particularly great it's not heinous 
it's boring. It's very boring and average, but for an audience in 1985, I would think that the average arcade player would have passed this by and not given it a second blink and demanded more. Well, yeah. So if this if this had come out in 81, 82, it probably would have been a great game. Um, but 85 is pretty late to be. So this is a good opportunity, I guess, to talk about the M62 platform itself, which um, and all of the games that were on it used the same platform, obviously, the same hardware. It was a, a Z80 at four megahertz. Um, and then there was a sound CPU and M6803, which is, I think, sort of a derivative of the old 6502 at 8 point, uh, 894 kHz. And then it had two AY38910 sound chips and two MSM5205 sound chips. That's so a, a lot of... A lot of sound hardware there. Now this is this is the platform, not not the game right. itself. Right. Yeah. But, very underutilized in this context. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you're still talking about a Z80 at four megahertz in '85. That's pretty old, and and um and it shows. I mean, when you look at these games, you can tell. Oh, this looks like Kung Fu Master. This looks like Kid, Kid Nicky. The games all look the same, obviously. Um, and by '85, I think people had moved on to bigger and better things. So it doesn't surprise me that. People ignored this thing to the point where there wouldn't be much out there, but it surprises me that there's nothing at all about it. I can't find, um, I don't know if you said this while we were recording or if we before, but you you said, you know, you can't find a shot of a cabinet, which, okay, that sort of makes sense because they may have just shipped out a ROM pack and an artwork, but can't find pictures of the artwork. Can't find anything about this thing. Right. I couldn't find any propaganda. I even looked for no a, flyers. a service manual, an arcade flyer, stickers, uh, an enthusiastic blog posting. This <laughs> game, there is no love for this game. Like the, the nation of Irem is, is forgetting this thing and, and maybe it's justifiable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As far as the game itself, though, the, the gameplay, because it was so close to Moon Patrol with a few, you know, let's, hey, let's add planes and and add little bonuses that you could pick up. It wasn't bad, you know. Um, the sound really annoyed me, but beyond that, I mean, it was a serviceable game, I guess. It just wasn't very interesting. Yeah, it, it's not captivating, and it, it doesn't it doesn't create a, an enthusiasm for itself. It's it's very it's not esoteric. It's not interesting, especially in the crowded. I mean. In a point in time when Back to the Future is opening in the movie theater and everyone has a Nintendo Entertainment System on their sofa, this game just doesn't compete. No, I don't see, I don't see why they bothered. Maybe they didn't either. Maybe they got, you know, they got into the development and and said it's this isn't going to go. But it's finished enough where if we put a couple of polishing touches on it, we can at least push it out there for a couple of weeks get some quarters and then replace it. Yeah, it does It does feel like it's not fully realized. And maybe it was abandoned where and they just shoveled it out as is and rolled the dice. Yeah. And I was, I was just thinking that this is basically one of those shovelware games. Right, right. Before they had that term, this, this is the torchbearer of shovelware. <laughs> Trying to appeal to people who were nostalgic even back then for Moon Patrol or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I, I feel really cheated. I want my Moon Patrol <laughs> 2, not 1.5 or whatever this, this mess is. We need to get Irem on the phone. We want to... <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. Can you, can you, sir, explain this? And some kid at the other end is going, who are you? And I wasn't even born when this game came out. Go away. Yeah. Or, hey, that's our best work. We're, we're... Possibly. Yep. 
possibly. Well, I, I don't know. You know, you look at the the games on the M sixty two platform, and you know, Kid Nicky was great, and Kung Fu Master was great, but they put out all those awful Load Runner games that were just terrible. You know, so as far as as far as if you're going to do that comparison, this game's pretty good. Yeah, and you can tell they totally crib the color palette from Load Runner too. Like it's. Eesh. It's ugly. It's just that nasty sort of orangish, brownish, pinkish. You know, you know when, like when, when, when you were in grade school and some kid threw up in the hallway and they put that pink powder all over it to, which just made it smell worse. Um, <laughs> that's what this looks like. Yes, it recycled, trod pink on powder. bubble gum. Yeah, yeah. Did did you think the special effect? And I just made air quotes there. Uh, the noise that 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 your ship makes traveling between the planes, like that irky, screeching whoosh. It sounds like something in sixth grade that you would have done to distract the teacher in class and cause kids to laugh. It was, it was awful. Yeah, a little bit. It was so incongruous. And, um, and for, for some reason, and I don't think it was my setup because I don't have this problem with sound in other games. It seemed to be that screeching noise was like louder than everything else. Not, not like definitely so, but it drowned out everything else that was happening in the game when that sound was being made. Now, it only happened for, you know, a quarter of a second or so, but every time after a while it builds up in your brain and you just want to punch it. True story. I was playing this game earlier in the week downstairs in the living room by myself, not <laughs> interacting with anyone. And my wife came over about 10 minutes in and asked me if the cat was ill. <laughs> and it was the noise that whoosh, Whoosh, noise and she thought it was the cat was throwing up on the drapes or something and i'm wow. like wow that, that that's that's some objective criticism right there <laughs> and she's right uh, i'll give it a solid cat vomit rating for sure yeah yeah that's that's not a you know this is not a game i'm ever going to play again I, yeah you know. uh, yeah um in days of yore and no quarter like would this get added to your favorites file uh, <laughs> no no, this would be if there was a if there was a, a category that I had set up in in MAME-UI for like games to never play again. This would be in there, and again, it's it's not because it's technically flawed. It's not a, I guess, a bad game. Like, it's just boring. Like, okay, like like Buck Rogers. You know, Buck Rogers. I guess technically wasn't a bad game. There weren't bugs. There, you know, there wasn't like you know the the shots missing me by centimeters and my ship still blowing up. That kind of thing. It was just boring and 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 right. there was nothing to hook me in or make me ever want to play it again. Right. I mean, you could tell marketing had all the confidence in the world with Buck Rogers about that scrolling effect, and they just right. thought this is going to sell itself. This is awesome. <laughs> and if for maybe four or five minutes, we were all riveted by it. But then it's what else you got? And this game falls victim to that same problem. Where is the depth? And that's a bad pun because this game is kind of played in depth. I'm sorry. You're fired. I'm banned. Uh, <laughs> no, no. You have to come back and play more games like this. Oh, hey, great. <laughs> that, that's that's your punishment. Um, okay, so because I'm sure people were going to get uh, angry emails if I don't correct this now, uh, I'm looking now at the uh, wiki entry on IREM, and here's the, the history as listed there. So IREM was actually founded in 1974 as IPM, which stood for International Playing Machine. Uh, and it was to manufacture, sell, and rent arcade hardware cabinets. IPM re released the first video games in 19, its first video games in 1978, uh, and their first game was IPM Invader. 
1979, it became IREM Corporation, which originally stood for International Rental Electronics Machines, and then was changed to Innovations in Recreational Electronic Media in the first half of the 80s. And then in the 90s, their logo changed to a dragonfly. Um, and that's when the sales began to decline. By 1994, IREM had completely ceased development of video games. Uh, the original wholesale division, which was in charge of manufacturing and, and renting and selling arcade cabinets, spun off from IREM to form the APIS company, um, so that IREM was now just a video game developer. That's when the uh, employees that were unhappy with uh, the inactivity left for Nazca. Um, that's when that happened. And then in 1997, the ISO Corporation found, founded IREM Software Engineering Incorporated. Uh, in July of 97, IREM Software Engineering took over development of IREM Corporation and absorbed the whole thing. The publishing department of IREM Corporation became, uh, fell under the direct control of a company called Nanao, who then sold it to Apes in 1998. Uh, so you can see where things get like, you know, if I were working there, I would probably wake up every day wondering what company I was working for today. Exactly. What's my assignment? Never mind <laughs> that. Where did the cafeteria go? Right. And this co this company is publicly traded today, it appears. Yeah, and I would not put an enthusiastic sell rating on it, but I wouldn't recommend buying it either. Yeah, I think their big thing these days is uh, is, is, a, is um, pumping out R-type clones and spinoffs. That seems to be their big thing. They're doing R-type tactics and stuff like that. That's the so, bread and butter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So and, and those tend to show up on PlayStation and, and uh, naturally, you know, the, the Japanese platforms, Turbo Graphics, and that sort of thing. So anyway, uh, that's we, we we can always hold out hope for Moon Patrol too. <laughs> they can make this right. They can make this right. We'll we'll compose that letter. Right. This will be a be a Moon Patrol X or, or uh, <laughs> Horizon X, something like that. The Lost Levels. Um, what? Not the, not that you or I or anyone else cares, but how did you do this week? I think there there might be a silver lining to this game. Um, <laughs> okay. After my beatdown in our last episode, I was. <laughs> I was determined to at least break into the six figures and have some respectability. Um, 104,800 was my best game. Uh, yep, you beat me. Woo! Woohoo! Yay! If this were a game I cared about, I'd be really pissed, but. <laughs> steal all my thunder, Mike. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Uh, so I, I did uh, 72,400 points. And you know what my motivator was? What's that? Like, the top 10, it displays if you make the top 10. Mm -hmm. But then if you watch the track mode, it never recycles back to the top 10. You only ever get the top three scores displayed after you effectively enter your initials for making a top 10. Four through 10 are never heard from again. Yeah. So yeah. I was like three or four games in, and I, I didn't even know what my scores were because they, they never came back up. And I was like, you know, I got to make the top three, or I got to get a pen and pencil somewhere. And uh, eventually, I made the top three. And <laughs> Another thing to dislike about this game. <laughs> yeah, to, to me, this the, that sort of just smacks of the um, sloppiness of the, the game design. That, that kind of, you know, we've talked about on, on the show plenty about the games where you may not, if you're not paying attention, you're not going to see your score because it, you know, if you don't make the, the 
the high score list, you never see your score again, you know, or, which that I get. But sometimes if you if you make the high score list, you, you don't even get to see your score again. And, and that's what's going on here. Unless you're top three, I, I guess, you know, uh, you can uh, you bring shame to your family and you go stand in the corner and feel bad or something because uh, you don't get to see that again. And unless I played this wrong, correct me, please. You can't continue where you left off by pumping in more credits either. You're, yeah, there's no... you're cut off and you start from the beginning at zero and it's like further punishment. There is, yeah, there, there is the, the, the missing mechanic, I guess, of, of not having it continue, which to me doesn't actually bother me that much. I sort of like the games where at least there's some stakes there. Like, you know, I, I can't just keep pumping quarters in until I get to the end and sort of buy myself a, a finished game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, it, sure, it's, it's great when you're, when you're playing for a podcast like this and you want to see what's later on in the game, you kind of wish there was a way to do it. Fortunately, in MAME, you can just turn on cheats and make yourself invincible if you really want to see it. Uh, at least on this one, but yeah, there's, there's no continue. It's you, when you die, I, I think if you're past like the halfway point between the two markers, it'll jump you forward to the next one. But if you don't make the halfway point, it jumps you back to the previous marker, uh, which sort of is weird because you end up skipping parts of the game that way. Um, so I don't know if that's really a cheat, but I, I did notice that you could like, if you died halfway through you know, between a checkpoints, dying there would jump you forward sometimes. So, right, right, and that's technically then you haven't played that little area of the game. So, I don't know. But you're not missing out. That's a- <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I don't know. Maybe I could have done better than seventy two. 72.4, but I just, I didn't care about this game. And, and, and you know, the great games, Metal Slug X and, and some of the, the favorites that we have, as I'm, you know, going through my workaday life, and um, I keep thinking about like how I can't wait to get back and play more of whatever we're going to talk about and, and see how well I can do. And then there are games like this where um, I just don't think about it, you know, if I'm not playing it, I just don't care. And they're, they're the worst ones where it's like this feeling of dread, like, Oh God, I gotta go play this game some more. And that's not one of these, this isn't one of the, one of those games, but it's not a good one either. Right. I didn't loathe it, but I didn't love it. And it was a solid D. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's and like that's diet, on a curve. I mean, it's like diet, diet Fanta. You know? Exactly. Uh, all right. So this is, I guess, going to be a short one this week, but that's because we don't really have much to talk about as far as what, when, you know, the, the game design or anything, like I said, can't find any information. If, if you guys know of a place, um, where we can find it, or if, if we're just being completely stupid and, and, um, blind to, to, um, a website that tells us about the game, let us know. Cause I couldn't find anything and neither could Jeff. Yeah, and if you're a designer or developer or had any kind of pro- uh, contribution <laughs> to, to make you. to this game, right, you need to contact us immediately. There, there are support groups. <laughs> yeah, you should feel bad. <laughs> yeah, you should. All right, uh, what are we playing next week, Jeff? It sounds like this. <laughs> All right, well, a short one this week. I'm sure that some of our listeners, anyway, won't mind that. 
Uh, thank you once again, everyone, for tuning in, and uh, we're we're back, uh, and uh, we're hopefully we'll have some uh, more great games to play in the future. Jeff, thank you for joining me, and thank you for uh, contacting me and saying, "Hey, let's do let's do more of these no court things." You're welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me and and being gracious enough to give me a shot. I I'm having fun, and uh, despite playing Horizon, <laughs> we can blame our listeners for that. They 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 put that on our list, so. Nope, it's your fault. Bye. <laughs>